We meet today in Isaiah chapter 28. We look at the immediate invasion of Ephraim by Assyria as a picture of the future and a warning to Jerusalem. This chapter brings us to an entirely new section. Prophecies totally pointing to the future are included in chapters 24 to 27 inclusively. From chapters 28 to 35, we have prophecies with local and past fulfillments, and there are also those that reach into the future and cover the same period as in the previous section. This new section is identified by six woes or judgments, and it culminates in the great war of Armageddon in chapter 24 followed by the millennial benefits brought to the earth in chapter 35. Now Isaiah 28 is a fine illustration of the combination of the near and far view, the past and future events, the local and immediate, and the general and far distant prophecies. Here is before us that which has been fulfilled and that which is yet to be fulfilled. The northern kingdom of Israel, here called Ephraim, was soon to go into Assyrian captivity. This was a preview of the coming future day, but it was to be a warning to the southern kingdom of Judah. The first part was fulfilled when Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, invaded Ephraim in 721 BC. Or he overthrew the northern kingdom and took the people into captivity. So let's look at the immediate captivity of Ephraim, which constitutes the first war against the northern kingdom. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which is at the head of the verdant valleys, to those who are overcome with the wine. Isaiah 28 verse 1. Here Ephraim and Israel are synonymous terms for the ten northern tribes, also called Samaria. The picture here of drunkards is both literal and spiritual. They were in a stupor as far as spiritual understanding was concerned. And my friend, to be spiritually drunk is to be filled with pride. Behold, the Lord has a mighty and strong one. Like a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, like a flood of mighty waters overflowing, who will bring them down to the earth with his hand? Isaiah 28 verse 2 The Assyrian is designated here as a strong one, a destroying storm and a flood of mighty waters. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, will be trembled underfoot. Isaiah 28, verse 3. Now, maybe you don't like this, but God does not apologize for what he says. He simply tells us that this is what he did. The prophet picks up the future of the drunkard here, and he condemns them. They will be trembled underfoot, my friend. A high level of civilization had been developed in the northern kingdom, with its comforts and outward beauty expressed in homes and gardens and trees. It seems that the Lord always gives the wicked and the rich the best places to live. And I think 
when God does that, it is poetic justice. It is not going to be so good for the wicked and the rich in the next world. So they have it good here, but wait. Move on to the far distant judgment. Now the prophet begins to move into the future. The expression in that day refers again to the day of the Lord, which begins with the great tribulation and extends on through the millennium. In that day, the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people. Isaiah 28 verse 5. Now, this looks into the future, to the millennial kingdom that is coming. The thing that caused the downfall of Ephraim, the northern kingdom, was their pride. They wore a crown of pride. But in that future day, when God brings them down to the land, it will be a crown of glory. Amazing. For a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, and for strength to those who turn back, the battle at the gate, but they also have erred through wine and through intoxicating drink are out of the way. The priests and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. They are swallowed up by wine. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Isaiah 28 verse 6 to verse 7. Now, this is very interesting because it gives us God's opinion of the use of alcohol and intoxicating drink, particularly to the people who are in position of authority uh, in a nation or even those who oversee the spiritual affairs of life. Their judgment will be mad, distorted, and they will even not have a vision to lead other people. When a man begins to drink and indulge in sin, he loses his sharpness, even in business. Now God is making this same observation regarding the northern kingdom. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall back and be broken and snared and caught. Isaiah 28 verse 13. Now, sections like this have caused some expositors of the past to call Isaiah the prophet of the commonplace. But my friend, Know that teaching is slow, patient, and a continuous work. So this is the way that even spiritual truth is imparted. How is it imparted? Word upon word, precept upon precept, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. God does not impart it in a flash to a lazy and lethargic soul. As the people lapse into apostasy in any age, it becomes increasingly difficult to impart spiritual truth. Now we are in a generation where people have almost become post-literate 
in their outlook to life. They simply want to see. And thus we have a death of the knowledge of God. People only know God's word from what they listen. If they listen to a wrong preacher, false teacher, they know the false teaching. They don't check the word on its own. Reading from God's word. But God's way is precept upon precept, line upon line. Now, there are many Christians today who are not satisfied with their lives. And the truth is that they are ignorant of God's word. Then they hear about the wonderful two-week course that will give them answers to all their problems. They will learn how to handle their marital problems, how to get along with their mother-in-law, how to guide the children aright, and how to become model employees. My friend, neither a little course nor some great emotional experience will solve your problems. There is no shortcut to success in the Christian life. There is only one way to grow as a child of God, and it is so commonplace and ordinary that I hesitate to say it. The word of the Lord was given to Israel, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. It was the daily grind of getting into the word of God. What happened? Israel did not follow through. They fell back. That is, they were in a backslidden state. There are many Christians in the same conditions today. It's not that they are weaker than anyone else. It is simply that they do not spend enough time in the word of God. And I realize that this method is not very exciting, but line upon line and precept upon precept is the only way you are going to grow in your Christian life. Then there is a warning to Judah in Isaiah chapter 28. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men who rule these people who are in Jerusalem. Isaiah 28 verse 14. Now the judgment coming to Israel in the north should be a warning to Judah in the south. Ephraim speaks to Jerusalem. Jerusalem speaks to us today, and the word of God speaks to all of us. It looks as if God wrote this book, not yesterday, but tomorrow. In fact, it is a way ahead of tomorrow's newspaper. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Isaiah 28 verse 15. Now, what is this covenant with the death and shield that they speak of? Well, Daniel tells us about a future covenant which Israel will make with the Antichrist, the prince who is coming, the man of sin, the godless man, the willful king, the beast out of the sea, and the beast out of the land, the one who is controlled by Satan, according to Daniel chapter 9 verse 27. They will make a covenant with death in coming into a covenant with the Antichrist. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. 
Isaiah 28 verse 16. Now, what is the answer today to the falsehood in the lives of people and the deception that is abroad, which will continue to snowball right down into the great tribulation? Well, God has already put that answer down. The answer is in a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. One who believes in it doesn't need to be in a hurry, no. He can rest in him. First Peter 2 verse 6 to verse 8 speaks of him. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. My friend Simon Peter makes it very clear here that this stone is Christ Jesus. Also, I will make justice the measuring line, and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Isaiah 28 verse 17. Now judgment for these people is going to come gradually, and I think it comes that way today. Sometimes it comes suddenly, but gradual judgment is worse than sudden judgment, for usually the process is so slow that you don't even detect it. For the bed is too short to stretch out on, and the covering so narrow that one cannot wrap himself in it. Isaiah 28 verse 20. Isn't this an interesting scripture? Here Isaiah employed a colorful and ironic metaphor to describe the condition in which Israel finds herself as a result of her failure to follow the Lord. The bed is too short and the covering too narrow. Her best laid plans are disappointing and futile without God. That's the bottom line here, my friend. Have you ever gone to a hotel or a motel and found that the covers on the bed were not quite long enough? They don't come up to your neck, and if you pull them up, then your, your feet stick out. Have you ever slept in a short bed where your feet hang over the edge, or you have to prop your head up, or you have to sleep at an angle so that you can fit on that bed? That's not good, isn't it? Now God says to Israel, I am giving you a short bed. The cover won't be quite long enough. From then on, the judgment of God will come. It didn't come to Judah for about 100 years, but finally it came. The final judgment of God upon his people. And that is now talking of the remainder of this chapter, which is almost the parable of the wheat and the tares. He talks about the different kinds of grain, the hard grains and the soft grains, and the different methods of threshing it. Here is Isaiah 28, verse 25 to verse 28. When he has leveled its surface, does he not sow the black cumin and scatter the cumin? 
plant the wheat in rows, the barley in the appointed place, and the spelt in its place. For he instructs him in right judgment, his God teaches him. For the black cumin is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cutwheel rolled over the cumin. But the black cumin is beaten out with a stick, and the cumin with a rod. The bread flour must be ground. Therefore he does not thresh it forever. Break it with his cutwheel, or crush it with his horsemen. You see, the picture given here is that of a farmer. A farmer has to be careful about the way he harvests the soft grain. Each grain is different. And the prophet's point in this parable is that even the farmer understands the laws of nature which must necessarily be followed in order to reap a crop. Like the farmer, the lord of the host is not going through the motions of divine activity, but rather he intends to harvest a crop. Just as the farmer acts with prudence and wisdom, so does the Lord, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. Both his wisdom and works are beyond the imagination and comprehension of the finite man. No wonder the apostle Paul proclaimed, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Romans 11 verse 33. Now he says that this is the way God judges. Judgment is spoken of as the harvest. The individual or nation actually determines the character of the judgment, which is to fall upon it. In other words, if you are hard and resist God, you are a hard grain. You are a hard nut to crack, and the judgment is going to be severe for you. Take note of that. Some men will have to painfully lose their loved ones before they can come to themselves and come to their senses. God will thresh you, and if you are hard, the judgment will be also hard. The Lord Jesus Put it like this in Matthew 13, verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bring them in bundles to bend them, but gather the wheat into my barns. In Matthew 13, verse 41, the Lord goes on to say, the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. <laughs> How tremendous this is. We ourselves determine our own judgment. If we only listen to him, he will put us over where the wheat is and spare us the severity of his judgment. This is indeed a wonderful chapter talking of helping us to determine what kind of judgment will come upon us. Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two. 641 
1-800-242-4475. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for, and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 72641-4475. From within South Africa, it's 072 641 4475